Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, I got Uriah here, and we are recording late on Sunday night because even though the Sixers aren't playing anymore, that doesn't mean that we've stopped watching basketball. And, of course, we just finished watching the Miami Heat go down to the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals Game 7. And I'm sure we're going to get to that. Uriah, we have, the, have some Sixers on our agenda, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's talk about the Sixers first. There's plenty to dissect with that amazing game. Miami it was a great game. They made, they made a nice comeback at the end, but they just didn't have enough. But let's talk about Joel Embiid. If you've been paying attention to what's been going on social media, particularly on Twitter, Joel Embiid just cannot help himself. Uh, clearly, he's been watching the Miami series, and his former teammate is still a very good friend of his. And, hey, why not, right? But some of the tweets that he's putting out there is making Philly fans question and say, Joel, what? Why are you still holding on? Why are you still tweeting about this guy? Clearly, you know, Jimmy has moved on and he's with his new team. He almost went to the finals. And so the question I have for you, Lucas, is what do you make of Embiid tweeting about Jimmy Butler? Okay. I don't think, first off, I don't think fans should have an immediate worry. I was immediately worried at first. I'm not going to lie. But one, then when I thought about it more, we know Joel's a master of manipulation at the social media rigs. We know this, Uriah. Mm. This is nothing new. So what I'm taking this as is not a shot at the fan base. The fan base should not be worried in the immediate future. But I think this is a shot. Two shots, actually. This is two shots. One is a shot at the Sixers front office saying, hey, let's get something going. And I think it's, you know, we've heard rumbles about Joel wanting Beal at the trade deadline. Could it be something to, you know, nudge them towards that? Possibly. Wait and see on that. But the other shot I think here, and uh, I believe it was Aaron on our Slack page that mentioned this, that made me realize this. So shout out to Aaron there. Um, is that this was a shot at Bam Adebayo. Hmm. Well, Embiid loves trolling other centers, especially those who are his quote-unquote contemporaries. We saw with Hasheen Whiteside and Andre Drummond in the past when he was first coming into the league and they were still in their quote-unquote primes. Drummond still is, but he had kind of a fall. The NBA kind of went ahead of how he plays, but that's not the important part here. Um, So I think it's a shot at Bam. Mm-hmm. Certainly shot at Bam. You know, he was just like, Jimmy needs another star. Bam, just for the most part in these Eastern Con- – he had a few games, but for the most part in these Eastern Conference Finals, he just did not show up. I think that's fair to say. I think in this game – and I'll check here real quick. He had – okay, so this was probably one of his best games with 25 points. The other – he had another, like, 31-point game, but the other ones he was scoring in, like, low teens or even single digits. So, like, Uriah. It was definitely a shot at Bam. He said that, and you mentioned that one tweet. He also said, uh, and I guess the most recent one was, Mama, there goes that man. Now, clearly he's talking about Jimmy Butler, who almost scored 50 points in, in that 
was it game five or game six? Mm-hmm. Look, all these NBA players tweet during games. That's that's not the issue. The issue mm-hmm. is it's who he's tweeting about. The team that eliminated us in the semifinals with mm-hmm. a former teammate who happened to try and start some drama, yelling out in the tunnel, Tobias Harris over me. Well, the fans in Philly are kind of looking at Joel like, what, what, why can't you move on? Like, just end it. You can be, be his friend in private. And if you tweet about him, tweet about him in the offseason, uh, not not while they're playing a game that we should be in. But you're right. Are you, are you saying that we – Joel needs to police his social media. Like, that's his best friend. I'm like, okay, look. Like I said, Joel's a master manipulator. I don't think this is a, I don't think it's something for fans to really like worry about. Like, uh, Howard, I think it was Howard Eskin, uh, kind of went overboard. Oh, he went, he went at him hard. Yeah. 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 I don't agree with Howard at all. Like, Mm -hmm. like, chill. Okay. Like, it was unnecessary and it it was kind of like like i get you're a fan i'm a fan too but like that's if you're upset about it certainly not the way to go about it and i just i think you took it out of out of context there and here's the other thing uriah after he tweeted the initial like you know miami needs another start like literally less than a half an hour later he tweeted out you all are being ridiculous right like right. he he like he he understands like how some people are taking it and mm-hmm. like he, and he made it clear that's not my intention by saying that. So well, like if he I, has to, but if he has to explain it, then he's smart enough to know that maybe he should not have done that to leave that that reason of doubt in the minds of fans. And let let's go to the next topic under this umbrella of Embiid's tweets. You mentioned Howard Eskin, who really blasted Embiid, and what do you expect else from Howard Eskin? But there was another writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, his name is Marcus Hayes, and he wrote Mm -hmm. a really interesting piece about the maturity level of Joel Embiid. In this piece, if you read it, you saw that Marcus Hayes brought up some of the positives in terms of Joel Embiid having a son and getting now he's not married, but having a son and for the majority of the season showing us that he grew up a little bit, but recently it seems like all this tweeting stuff, he's kind of reverting back to the OJL. So my question to you is, do you think all these tweets about Butler is a sign of immaturity? No, no, no. Okay. A sign of immaturity on quote unquote Twitter would be like, like, you know, posting pictures of you at the club being cranked or whatever, like, or like, you know, I'm not busting people that do that. That's fine. But like for professional athlete, like you got to be careful what you put on social media. I think you would agree with that in terms of like, you know, how you present yourself in the club set. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying like you can't go out and party. That's, that's fine. But you got to be careful how you, what you post when you're there. You know what I mean? Like, especially like, okay. Like, here's the thing. Remember the whole entire Jaleel Okafor getting into a fight outside of Boston, Boston. Club? Yeah. 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 Like, that, that's what I'm talking about there. Okay? I'm not busting the party scene, whatever. That's fine. But, like, but I don't think this is a sign of immaturity in terms of, like, he's still the undoubted I, – I think he's one of the leaders on this team. He clearly was able to carry this team through a pretty adverse situation – with Ben Simmons and right now he's in the off season, like let him enjoy his like time. And like, yeah, he might do like a couple of like knuckleheaded things. I wouldn't say it's immature, maybe knuckleheaded, but like mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's immature. I, I would say at best it's like a knuckleheaded thing or like an antagonistic thing that he's probably playing like with the front office. If I had to guess, I guess I will be the, the, the old man yelling at the young kids, Get off my lawn, because I actually agree with Marcus Hayes. Not so much that he's tweeting about Jimmy Butler, but I'm going to take you back a few months. where okay. there, was a, there was a tweet that got a lot of attention. It was a meme. After Ben Simmons was traded, the gentleman who was standing in the suit, and there was some type of funeral that he was at. And it's it's a pretty vulgar concept type tweet. There was no text to it, but... 
once you do your research and understand what it means, it's like, man, that's that's deep. And that's like digging the knife and twisting it. I thought that was immature. I, I didn't think it was necessary. And I think it came back to bite us because I, at the end of the yeah. day, hold on. At okay. the end of the day, Ben Simmons liked the tweet about uh, James Harden not being, I guess, clutch for the Sixers. So at the end of the day, I guess Simmons got the last laugh when it comes to tweets. Versus man, well. Ben Simmons has no last laughs. Man, you're on your back. You 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 can't even like you're you're healing your back while your team got bounced in the first round. Like I don't want to hear it. Okay, swept. And you had Kevin Garnett. Well, if, Kevin if you're Pratt. talking, you're. I can't deny that. But <laughs> what I'm talking about is out pettying the pettiness of Joel Embiid. Oh, well, that's I mean, what I'm talking about. Embiid is one of the. Okay, you might be mature, but you can like. Okay, think about it like this: Kevin Garnett, right? Class personified, and when it comes to like being a mature leader and everything. But Uriah, you know better than most because you were around KD mm -hmm. Prime. Oh, he talked, he he talked a lot of trash. He, he talked a lot of trash, and he was the king of petty. Man, I'm pretty sure he made I, – I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you remember him making – like, oh, uh, like remember when Charlie Villanueva said that Kevin Garnett made a joke about him looking like he had cancer? Right, right. Okay. That was messed up, yeah. It was messed up, but like yeah. – Kevin Garnett was very petty when he was in his trash talk, okay? He was mm -hmm. one of the best trash talkers. He was very petty. Joel Embiid's petty, too. That's his version of trash. Trash talking today doesn't happen in live forum, Uriah. That's one thing that an old <laughs> head like yourself has to understand. All the I'm kids do trash talking on social media today because if they did it in real life, they would probably in, you know, like, I remember my parents always say this, if you wouldn't say it to the person's face, you don't say it on social media because if you wouldn't say it to their face because you're probably afraid they're going to punch you in the face for it. And, like, that's – but, I mean, like, in that sentiment, like, NBA players take most of their pettiness to social media. And it's not just Joel. It's other players, too. I mean, Patrick Beverly's been making tours on NBA today, like, on ESPN. He's just a clown. He's a clown. He, he doesn't even deserve – part of this conversation here's what i'll say about his maturity and then we can move on <laughs> listen he obviously has the right to tweet what he wants as a free country mm -hmm. he's he's a superstar he makes mm -hmm. 30 plus million dollars a year he's gonna do what he wants to do but in the eyes of i guess the old heads you put down the toys and you pick up the tools and while you're working with the tools you don't even have time to tweet with your little phone tweeting at your be your bestie, former teammate, or something about another team, you should be in the gym. You should be rehabbing. You should be focusing on the game. And the other thing is, like, these tweets, it's just something else for pundits to, to focus on, which adds another, another level of distraction for the team, for the fans. It's like, look, like, I just try to imagine if Michael Jordan or, or Magic Johnson would have been playing during social media era, would they be tweeting? during like like the way that joel does i don't think they would i don't think they would fair fair enough uh, and i'll just end on this you say that he should be focusing on you know practicing in our weather but like most of these tweets during the offseason your eye come at after like 11 like 10 o'clock at night like no i i don't care what nba player it is very few if any are going to be in the gym at 10 o'clock at night especially when it's easier to be at there at five o'clock in the morning versus ten o'clock at night, um, but yeah, let's go ahead and move yeah. on. So, on a scale of one to ten, because all these tweets about Miami has a lot of fans questioning Embiid's, I guess, perspective on the future. So, on a scale of one to ten, how concerned are you that Embiid getting frustrated and leaving the Sixers? If we don't make a serious championship run, whether it's to Miami or another team, how concerned are you? Um, right now, I'm only at a two because here's the thing, and we've talked about this before, Uriah. Sixers midseason trade for an all-star level player. We all know that the no no NBA championship has been won with a big midseason trade like that, and like I think the last one that's been done even close to that level is. Rashid Wallace, but like that doesn't even really count either. 
because Wallace is nowhere near where James Harden is. So let's keep, let's start off with that. The other thing is, is that I'm not worried about Miami because if Joel does get to the point where he's like maybe one or two years left on his contract and then he wants to go to Miami, Jimmy Butler is going to be like 36, 37 years old. Like he's, he's going to be old. Okay. He, he's not going to be like, he's not going to be Jimmy Butler that we know. Like Jimmy Butler could very well be a bad contract at that point. You're trying to win with Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo, mm-hmm. which if by chance, like he forces his way to Miami, which I really don't think is the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going for those two. I'm going for all your picks. I'm going for whoever <laughs> else. Is there. Yeah. Like, they don't have enough, right. in my opinion, to make a viable trade for Joel. If they had all their picks, then maybe. But, like, I just – it's not there right now. I don't see it. Uh, another team could swoop in, sure. But mm-hmm. I don't – I mean, outside chance, Lakers, maybe, but they don't have picks. Like, I, I can't think of a market that he would want to that actually, that would want to go to that actually has, like, the value the, – the, you know, players and draft capital to make that trade work. Hmm. So – I just it, or like a content like I just look. I think we're probably like another year or two from like the Sixers really contending for like an actual championship. If you look at the roster, you need more time for these role players to develop, and you need to add more depth. So I'm not rushing it. I think me and you've talked about it. The core four works. You just need to add more depth. And I think that takes a little bit of time. I don't think we're going to get all everything that we need this off season, but it's going to be a start. So you're, you're a two. I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'll tell you why. Okay. Your concern is a two out of 10. I'm at a four. Okay. The reason why is because death by a thousand cuts drips from the, the sink like after a while, it mm-hmm. just it just erodes whatever's falling. Like any drop of water, like in in any capacity, whether it's a stone or a piece of wood, each little drip after so many times, it only can take so much. So if you look at the last five postseasons, Joel Embiid has been trounced. He's he's been the leader of the team. He's been the focal point of the offense. He's publicly cried. He's been swept. And then, of course, there's the injury component. There's a revolving door of teammates, former stars, current stars, rookies, guys that come and go, and that takes a toll. And I think that if they lose again next year, and I think you said it, he'll he'll start to start grumbling, in my opinion. Fair. That's fair. I mean, I get I get your perspective. I don't think we're quite there yet because I think he's a smart enough dude to understand the long term picture too. I mean, he Sam Hinkie was his his favorite GM, and Sam Hinkie was all about the long term. So I think Joel thinks that way too. So I yeah. think we'll be okay. Let's talk about Game Seven. You know, Celtics beat the the Heat. Uriah. Celtics came away with the win, 100 to 96. Jason Tatum won the Larry Bird Eastern Conference Finals MVP award. The the you know obviously the Celtics also got the Bob Cousy Eastern Conference title award. So what are what are your, some of your takeaways from this game? Well, I think that the game itself. Boston was in control, I'd say, 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Miami went on a few runs in the second quarter and, and throughout the third, and even in the fourth, they really they really put put the heat on them, no pun intended, to yeah. – uh, Yeah. And, and it was it, at the end, I was like, wow, Boston might blow it. But Yeah, I felt that way too at one point. <laughs> but Jason Tatum, look, he was wearing this Kobe Bryant – uh, wristband on his elbow and and it was uh obviously to to show respect to the late Kobe Bryant and mm-hmm. I'm thinking wow that takes a lot like you really got to step up if you're going to wear that there was a shot in the fourth quarter Lucas where he, the shot clock was running down and he hit a three with mm-hmm. the hand in his face I said wow that that's a shot that Kobe would have made Marcus Smart made shots when he needed to 
Al Horford didn't have the best offensive game, but his leadership and shout out. Listen, a lot of people hated him when he was here because he he made so much money. But he, Al Horford, I respect Al Horford, and I'm happy for mm-hmm. him. This is the first time that he's ever made the uh, finals in so yeah. many playoff appearances. So it was a good game. Yeah, it was a good game. I enjoyed it. Uh, Got to show respect to Boston. I think they match up well, but we'll talk more about that later. So I guess you were rooting for Boston then. Actually, I was rooting for Miami because wow, okay. yeah, interesting. Jimmy Jimmy Butler is my second favorite player. I really okay. respect. I really like Jimmy. Uh, I I just because Philly Boston that whole rivalry, I, I could not root for Boston, but I do respect that they're moving on. I was actually rooting for Boston, and what? Tell me why, Lucas. Tell me. Well, why. okay, this goes back to my senior thesis, which you have read. I, I have, you know, Bill I'm a Russell. Great, Bill Russell, that's right. I'm a great appreciation uh, historian. And, uh, you know, Boston getting their 18th, is it 18th or 19th title would be something special. Yeah. Also, I just think that Boston would make that series against Golden State so much more interesting. And they could actually come away and win it because if I can stop Steph Curry from having another one, I, I would totally do that. Mm hmm. Plus, I enjoy Jason Tatum. I think he's he's putting his name in there as not only a top 10 player, but you're right, take the hot take, possibly a top five if he wins the title this year. Well, he already is. He's all NBA <laughs> first team. I mean, <laughs> he already is. Should, should he have been, though? Should he we, have know been? He, we know he needed yeah. to be in there. But yeah. anyway, keep going. Anyway, yeah, you guys covered that last time when yeah. I wasn't like, okay. So, as I mentioned, Uriah, a uh, few things, though. Um, I did want to say the Kobe Bryant thing. One shot that made me think of Kobe is that Boston had, like, two seconds left on the shot clock, and they had to inbound the ball. And Jason Tatum got separation from uh, Jimmy Butler and hit a mid-range jumper that was wet. And I was just like, that's Kobe right there. Mm-hmm. That was very weird to see per- Lakers – purple on a Celtics player so that was kind of weird but like you get past that you get past that because you understand the relationship there exactly Uh, yeah but no I'm very happy for Al Horford and just to go back to the Al Al Horford Sixers days Sixers fans I want you to listen very closely he was injured he had a bad knee that year also on top of that when it was just either Al Horford and Joel Embiid or Al Horford and Ben Simmons, it worked. You just can't play all three together because it's pretty, basically you had four power forward, four big men plus Josh Richardson. It's just not going to work, okay? Like, Brett Brown got, got really screwed that year. Like, anyway, that's – but. You're right. My next question for you is: I, I said that Jason Tatum won the uh, Larry Bird, you know, Finals Eastern Conference Finals MVP, but did he really deserve it? Was he the best player in this series? I think maybe he was more consistent than Jimmy because Jimmy had a few off games, but we know he was injured. But Jimmy Butler, even tonight, he missed that three point shot that people argue I would, he should I, not have shot. Yeah, I, I think he should have drove it. Right. I, I agree. I think you, you tie it up with a two and playing overtime. But I think Jimmy was the best player in the series. He did everything for Miami. And without him, they are nobody because I think Bam is a fraud. Cal uh, Lowry stinks. He's the biggest flopper fraud player in the NBA. Yeah, he got so many calls in his oh, favor. I he was, annoys me. He annoys I was me just, to no that, end. There was an offensive foul that uh, he got, I think it was Tatum in the fourth on a drive. Yep. Yep. He was still moving. Yeah. Offensive yeah. charge against uh, who was a Brown. He was still moving. I don't understand. Oh, he's set. No, he's not. He's yeah. never set. I saw the same play. And it, it's, it makes me scratch my head how this guy is still in the league. But, but I think to answer your question, Jimmy Butler was the best player in the series. However, he will be on the couch watching like the rest of us, the NBA finals. So, I I think at his peak that Jimmy Butler was the best player in the series, but we didn't see peak Jimmy Butler all, all all series long. And like you said, that's because of injury. I do want to say this to Jimmy Butler, and I know he's your second guy. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give him some love here. Jimmy Butler 
is arguably a top three playoff performer. Okay. And here's I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh-huh. And here's here's my other thing. You know what this felt like? LeBron James versus the Golden State Warriors in 2015. Mm. Where LeBron yeah, like LeBron should have won the finals MVP that year, even though his team lost. Yeah. Like it felt like if Jimmy Butler would have gotten the Larry Bird trophy, I would have been okay with it. I wouldn't like I wouldn't have hated it at all. Like that's <laughs> that's fine with me. I get it. So that's that's just how I feel. But my last question for you, Uriah, is this. If Joel was healthy, could the Sixers have beaten this Heat team in this last series? And could they have beaten the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals? Reflecting on the Heat series. Yeah. Sixers lost two in a row to start that series without him beat. He came mm-hmm. back. His presence made the difference in the world. And they tied it up. It was 3-3. No, no, two, two. It was two, two, right? So, could they have stolen one of those games with Embiid in Miami? The answer is yes, but I don't know if we could have beaten the Heat in in the seven game series if we played the Celtics. There is the way the Celtics are playing, Lucas. Their defense. The one thing I love about the Celtics, and I was really analyzing every play, they have some really nice interior passing. They cut, Mm -hmm. they flash to the ball. Al Horford is like, he's like this facilitator out there. Like he touches the ball and gives it off right away. They make the right passes. Mm -hmm. And Tatum and Brown are such an amazing one-two punch. They can do it all. They can drive. Mm -hmm. they They can score from deep. They can get to the foul line. I don't think the Sixers could have matched that. Clearly Mm -hmm. with the way Harden was playing and Maxie still kind of being rough around the edges. I think the Sixers probably would. Have, I'm kind of glad we didn't play Boston because it would have been like four one. What do you think? So I, I do think we would have gotten past Miami a healthy Joel Embiid. That means no facial fracture, no thumb injury, like a hundred percent Joel. Yes, easily. Mm-hmm. I, I I believe that. I really do. Just because Miami, we saw what Bam Bam shrinks, like you said, and mm-hmm. when Joel was actually being Joel, Bam could not do anything on the boards. He could not really score. Like, so Bam's a non-factor. Lowry was still injured. Um, even if Lowry was there, I don't think it makes that big of a difference. Um, so, yeah, no, I just – I think the Sixers would have won that series. And then – but I, I do agree with you. I just don't think the Sixers have enough offense. Like, I just – James Harden needed to be, you know, better, and he wasn't. And I think the Celtics defense would have just like they have, you know, one of the few Joel slower down guys and Al Horford. Robin, uh, Rob Williams is no joke. Like he's a really good help side defender. And then you have, you know, you still got to worry about Marcus Smart locking down Tyree. If, if I was the Celtics, I would have had, and we, they played us in a Eastern Conference finals, I would have had them go one on one maxi versus, uh, I would have had, Smart on Maxi, and then dare J- James Harden and Tobias Harris to beat us because I don't think they could have. Yeah, that that. So yeah, I agree with you that I don't think they could have beaten the Celtics. All right, so the NBA Finals that matchup is set in stone. We have the Golden State Warriors who will be playing the Boston Celtics. Game one, if I'm not mistaken, is it's the second. What, what I, day is the second Thursday? Who has home court? I think it's the. I think it's it, Golden State. Are you sure? Well, Golden State, their record was Celtics, 53 Celtics and 29. Second, or they were second in the East, but did they have a better better record? Golden State was 53 and 29, so they had a better record. Okay, they'll be playing in Golden State. So. Uh, yeah, June 2nd is game one. Uh, June 5th is game two. Yeah, it's going to be a really nice matchup. You have all the talent in the world. You have very good defenses. You have three-point shooting teams. You have Steph Curry, who's – I don't know how many finalists he's been in, but he's basically – Still no final up, MVP. He's, and yeah, that's true. KD has those two. 
But let's dissect these two teams, Lucas. Uh, what, do, what do you make of this matchup between Golden State and Boston? You have one of the best team offenses going against one of the best team defenses in the NBA, in pos- arguably NBA history. Um, the, the Warriors have one of the best offensive systems we've seen in a long time, probably since the Triangle. Like let's let's be real on that. Uh, we haven't seen anything quite this dynamic in the playoffs. You could say Mike Dan, he doesn't get too far. Anyway, um, I think this and the thing is like the Celtics. It's not like okay, I'm gonna say this. I don't think the Warriors were really challenged defensively. You know, a team you know having an elite defense where they had to, like, step it up. Right. Like, you look at first round. Who was their first? I don't even remember. Who was their first round series? It was not anybody. It was the Pelicans, right, who probably arguably had, like, the most balanced offensive attack. Yeah. Between... They put up a fight. They put up a good fight. No, I said, no, that wasn't the Pelicans. They they played no. the, the war. Uh, the No, the... it was Jokic, right? Was Jokic. It? Okay. Yeah. yeah, it was Denver. The most, you know, the hub of, you know, granted, okay, injury. So then they were never great defense. Mm-hmm. Second round, Memphis Grizzlies, good defense, good offense, but young, inexperienced. Yet that series won, what, six or seven games? I think mm-hmm. it was six games, right? Mm-hmm. And then they won against Luka. Luka is a one-man wrecking crew, but if you can lock, you know, slow down like the role players, then the Dallas Mavericks are beatable, and they proved that in five games, okay? So... But you look at the Celtics here, you're right. They played against KD and Kyrie, swept them. Mm. Played against Giannis, granted without Chris Middleton, but he still had a really good supporting cast, Andrew Holiday. Yeah. And they still won that series in seven. Then they had to play Miami Heat, arguably number one seed in the East, really good team defense, one of the best head coaches. Still beat them in seven. Hmm. The Warriors are probably going to be fresher in this series, but like battle tested in terms of like, you know, beating more legitimate opponents, you could argue the Celtics easily have that. So that's that's kind of what I'm looking at. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the stats right now. They split the season series. And if I look at the series averages in the playoffs, you have Golden State averaging 114 and a half. Boston only 107 rebounds. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, Golden State is out rebounding their opponents, but they have 44 uh, per game in the playoffs. Boston 42, 28 assists per game in the playoffs for Golden State, 24 for Boston. So numbers wise, it looks like Golden State has the upper hand. Steph Curry averaged 25.9 points in the playoffs. Jason Tatum 27. I think that this is going to go seven games i Mm. predict that boston is going to beat golden state and and the reason why is because the way they play defense the way they're so switchable i think having marcus smart and this team think about it lucas this team has been together for a long time so continuity is is just flowing through their system both teams have continuity yes they do they do but we don't know how jordan Poole is going to react in the playoffs we don't know we don't know if he's gonna if he's gonna you know when the light is shining brightest how he's gonna perform and he's been a big factor for them also i mean you could say that about any of the celtics players they don't have i don't think they have anybody on their roster that's been to an nba finals but they've but they've been to to many many playoff games together they almost went to the finals and they lost to lebron in what 2018 they should have went that year, in my opinion. But didn't they uh, lose to Jimmy Butler in twenty twenty in the bubble? Uh, I believe so, but the bubble doesn't count, in my opinion. I, okay. I I think I think I'd like Boston. I like how they play. I think that uh, Steph's going to do what Steph does. Clay's going to do what Clay does. I mean, Andre Iguodala is probably. <laughs> <laughs> he well, he, he injured, I think. No, I I read that he might come back, but hey, look, your guy Gary Payton, I think, is going to return in the final. Uh, he's, um, I mean, to be f- I, okay, I like Gary Payton. He's not my guy on that. I thought team. he was your dude. 
No, I, I think uh, I mean I I root for him because like you know he's had a really rough NBA journey, but he's not mm-hmm. my guy on that team. My guy on that team is probably Jonathan Kaminga. He's just going to be something special. Uh, I'm not going to say his nickname. Please don't, because <laughs> that really caught me off guard last time. Um, anyway, um, so I'm not going to choose who's going to win that series, Uriah, but I'll say what? this. Why not? Because I, 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 it's a pick 'em series, and I, okay. I can't. All I got. Right. I got to see like the first two or three games before I make a decision. Yeah. Um, I'll say this. This series could very well decide where Steph Curry lands in the pantheon when his career is all over. Hmm. Because here's the deal: if Steph Curry shows up. And gets finals MVP. He is pushing. Not only he's, I think he's already in the top 10 of best, you know, best player of all times, Mm. but he's pushing for a top five. And then you could argue he's pushing magic for best point guard in NBA history. Yeah. Like I, I think I don't like Steph Curry in terms of like a playmaker. He's not a playmaker. Like he's not a lead playmaker. He's averaged like six assists for his career, but with Chris Paul failing like he did, if Steph Curry gets a finals MVP, he has four titles on his belt now. Best three-point shooting, probably not going to change. You got to look at it and say, is he really – He's already, I, I think he's – with the fall of Chris Paul, I think – He's up at three right now. I think he's the third best point guard in NBA history. Yeah. I, is he pushing Zeke? If he gets that finals MVP, he pushes Zeke, Zeke out of that second spot. And he's pushing Magic for that first spot. Possibly. I don't think he, possibly. I don't think he possibly. does it yet. If he gets two finals MVPs, then we can talk about it. But yeah. for now. I, I will always consider Steph Curry a shooting guard. I don't I don't care what anybody says. His his primary his primary role is to score not to distribute like magic and Isaiah Thomas did, but that's another argument for another Yeah, that's time. another argument let for me, another day. Let me ask I'm just you saying, this. Yeah. Let me ask you this, Lucas. So mm-hmm. Golden State, I think last year they they had a lottery pick last year. And then they, Boston, yeah, they had two lottery picks, yeah. And then Boston, you know, they've always been in the hunt, but they just can never get over the hump. So thinking about all of the competitiveness within this league in the Eastern conference with all these, the Eastern conference was a lot tougher this year to come out the East, but Boston made it out. Obviously (laughs) golden state competing in their conference. Did anything surprise you about these teams getting to this point? Well, Uriah, I don't know if you remember this, but Boston was below 500 in January. Yes, Yes, that is true. I I think that surprised everybody that not only did they get to that point, but then they were able to bounce back. I think that's a real testament to team chemistry, leadership, and Ime Udoka's ability to you know be a leader of man. Um, the Warriors, I, look, we knew that if you could get Steph, Clef, and Draymond all back on the court at the same time, that you're going to have at least a, con- a playoff contender. Now, I think nobody was expecting the emergence of Jordan Poole, and I think that that's the difference maker for the Warriors. I think that was the unexpected. This is their unexpected thing. Yeah. I think for me, and that was a good point, you mentioning that they were below 500. Ironically, I was watching uh, a few minutes ago. I was just looking at my phone and, you saw Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum hugging and you, their conversation is something to the effect of, yeah, they said we couldn't play together. So I, that, that's a, that's, a that's so, yeah. Yeah. People were talking I about love that. I mean, we were thinking about trying to get Brown for Simmons. At one yeah. Point. I remember that. So the, I think that is surprising that they were able to overcome that, that obstacle and I'm looking at their leading scorers and, and blocks and assists for both teams. Robert Williams, Lucas, led the Celtics in rebounds and blocks per game, 9.6 and 2.2. Mm-hmm. He came out of nowhere. Uh, Grant Williams, Grant their, Williams. Their forwards. Oh, my yeah. goodness. That dude put in the work. 
and much respect to him. I am envious. I wish the Sixers had a Grant Williams on, on our team. I think we traded for him when we got – I think we, we traded – Oh, you're yeah. going to depress me even more. No. Uh, the, okay, other, the other thing that surprised me about Boston, but not so much, is is Al Horford. He, he yeah. was reinserted back into that system, and it was like a flawless transition. It was like he should have never left. He shouldn't have left. He should have left. He, he, he went where the money was, right? I mean, you bl- I don't blame him for chasing no, money. No, no. And and that, that season in OKC gave him time to rest. That was strategic yeah. on his part. Good for him. As far as Golden State, man, I, I, I look, Andrew Wiggins, I'm glad that he's shutting up all of his haters. He found a home. He found the right system. You you know what you're getting from their big three, but the other player that was mentioned earlier, Jordan Poole, this guy came out of nowhere. I didn't I didn't know he could ball like that. So that was surprising to me. At the end of the day, man, this is going to be a good series, very entertaining. So let me let me ask you this before we move on. Uh, there's a quite a few former Sixers uh, playing in the finals. Do you have any former Sixers that you're pulling for? Well, let me think of who's there. We got Iggy. We got Al. Who else am I missing? Uh, was Pritchard on the Sixers? No, 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 no. He just looks like TJ McCall, McCall, McConnell. He's not TJ McConnell. No. Um. All right. Uh, I think those are the only two. Uh, if I'm rooting for one, I'm gonna always go for Iggy. Wait, Stauskas. Stauskas. Stauskas is on the bench. For, oh, you know, I think uh, right. The- yeah, he is. You're right. I'm yeah. gonna have to go for Sauce Castillo himself. I, 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 you know what? That's a sad thing. Think about it, Uriah. Nick Stauskas reached an NBA final before Joel Embiid. Ooh, that hurts. Yeah, that think really about hurts. that for a minute. But I'm gonna root for him anyway. Like, <laughs> he was in the G League at the beginning of the year. He had to put two fifty point games up in a row. In order for this, like any team to even look at him, and the Celtics yeah. were like, "Yeah, we'll put you at the end of the bench. Yeah. Why not?" Yeah. So, who who do you hope gets a, a a ring before anybody else? The former Sixers you mentioned. Uh, well, Iggy already has a ring, yeah. so I guess Al and yeah. Dallas, I think they they don't have. I'd go with Horford. He he's from Atlanta to Philly, OKC. He. He's put in a lot of work to get to this point. And if he gets a ring, I'd be really happy for him. I would be happy for him, too. Yeah. I think anybody on – well, nobody on the Celtics at finals appearances. So if they all won the finals, that would be fantastic. All right. So last topic before we close out, and it's like already like 12, 15 here. We're going to talk about – James Harden's contract status, Uriah. So, Uriah, do we think that he will opt in and accept the $47 million in his final year of his contract, or do you think he'll opt out and renegotiate and help the Sixers be able to get another star? If he's smart, he will renegotiate with Maury because if his legacy is on the line and – He's probably not going to go to another team because of his age and how much money he's going to be making. Then he, sh- I mean, how much he's made so many hundreds of millions of dollars at this point, mm-hmm. he should be focusing on winning a championship. And don't forget about all the endorsements too, man. Yeah. Endorsements as well. So I, if, if I were him and I'm not, but if I were him knowing how he played, in game six, when we got eliminated, he really doesn't have much room to, I guess, negotiate or or at least try to get a higher salary. But maybe he can get maybe he can get two years, I don't know, 55 million or something like that. And then that would open up space for another star, whether it's Zach Levine or or Bradley Bill. But I, I predict that he's going to opt out and him and Daryl Morey will have a sit down. What do you think? I I think it would be smart for him to opt out. Um, you can get more guaranteed money over more years versus if you opt in and you have another bad year, then you're not going to get anything close to that. Um, I think it would be wise. I think Maury should offer, you know, the, uh, the Chris Paul styled extension mm. where the first two years are fully guaranteed. The last two aren't. 
I think third year is partially guaranteed and fourth year is like a team option. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be the best bet for the Sixers and for Harden. I mean, I think it just comes down to if they be- if they can convince Harden that they can get another star or Harden just realizes that for the team. If Harden really cares about winning, he'll take less. Right. Yeah, I think, and that's and like if he doesn't take less, then we know where his head is, and like then like I'm pretty sure Maury's like affinity for him will lessen to the point where he can actually be like, let me be logical and trade trade this dude for whatever I can get. That's that's where I'm at. But you're right. I guess my other question for you is this: is uh, how can Harden reinvent himself to slow down the decline on the offensive end? Before I answer that, I want to shout out Maurice from our clubhouse. Maurice is a, a really big supporter of the podcast, and he has some really great takes on the Sixers. He's really, really a staunch supporter of uh, uh, not giving Harden uh, the max, another max deal. And I think a lot of fans feel the same way that he does. If they can spread it out like you were alluding to, Lucas – uh, longevity, uh, Chris Paul type deal. That'd be great. As far as him slowing down, we I don't think we'll ever know how much that hamstring impacted him. However, if he comes back this season and he works on different parts of his game, a la Kobe, a la Michael Jordan, when you lose your quickness and you lose that ability to 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 burst to the to the lane and, and score like he's done in the past, you have to modify your game. So whether it's a post-up game, more of a mid-range game, uh, it's more spot-up shooting from three, he needs to do that. Now, will his ego and pride get in the way? We'll have to wait and find out. What do you think? So I think we've talked about this a little bit before in the past, but you brought up the post-game and actually – I didn't think about that, but if he did add a post element to his game, like, okay, you think it's hard to guard post uh, left-handers in the on the perimeter. If you're dealing with a left-handed post player, it's almost impossible because you'll almost always foul them if they can have yeah. a good hook shot. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I, I certainly think a post game would could help though I don't think that's an ideal addition with Joel already taking up a lot of posts. Tobias Harris getting a few. I think, and here's the, you know, I've already said he needs to be more pass first. He's, he's there. Obviously you need to be more comfortable on the catch and shoot, whether it's a kick out from Joel or Maxi, or if it's just, you know, ball rotation, be comfortable with the catch and shoot. And then I guess the other part, is reclaiming his floater game because back when he was in Houston, he was really good at a floater, and yeah, you don't lose your that? floater. That was weird. By like like, like your floater is not indicated by your athleticism. Like that has nothing to do with like being able to get a first step on somebody or being able to jump high or whatever. The floater isn't indicated by that, Uriah. You know this. It's it's, it's all, all about touch. touch. It's all touch. It's all yeah. touch. So maybe maybe he I, I think that maybe the hamstring was an issue there. That because mm-hmm. like that's the only thing that I can imagine that can affect the touch. It's not age. Like shooters like very rarely do sh- good shooters lose their touch as they get older. They lose other aspects of their game to the point where their shot doesn't matter anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Or injuries have impacted the shot too much. Um so with that in mind, I think we certainly need to see more touch. Um, and him just embracing more of the mid-range game because obviously he doesn't have the lift to get to the rim anymore and be effective because he's gotten his shot blocked so many times. It felt like I was watching Zion Williams out there getting <laughs> his shot blocked. No shade on Zion. He, he uh, Just fun fact, I'm pretty sure the last season he played, he had his shot blocked the most among any active player. Uh, taking more than like 50 post attempts. Um, that being said, you know, I think embracing the mid range and we've talked about that in the past mm-hmm. and just being able to have more of that touch, 
given that option, I think, and it's good for the playoffs too. I mean, it helps in the playoffs and just, so yeah, I think just being more efficient, but being able to get his touch back from the mid range, the floater and being able to spot up more from three is going to help his career. Cause like the sidestep is nice. And I know it gives you nostalgia Uriah, but like at the end of the day, it's not a super efficient shot anymore for him. And go attacking the rim is not super effective for him either. So like, and yeah, he has his nice dunks, but until he can show that he has his athleticism back on a consistent basis, don't attack the rim. Just how nice, don't. Now, how nice would it be if it was the hamstring and it fully heals and he comes back as not Houston Harden, but but pre hamstring pre ham yeah yeah someone someone in the clubhouse room said yeah Harden's going to average twenty seven and ten I'm like what. I don't know. About uh, that. I, I that think I wishful thinking. I, I think I know who that was too. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that. Well, I'll say this. I don't know if it's a hamstring or not, but I will say this: there has already been videos out of showing Harden working out in Houston, and the, it looks How's like he, look? he looks thin, Harden. Like back Good. when you re- remember when he was in Houston, and they called him Skinny Harden. Mm-hmm. That's that's what he looked like in that video. Granted, it was a back profile. Like I, you saw him from behind, but like the guy looked thin. He he, he has triceps and biceps, but he doesn't have a, a belly, right? No, that's, I that's mean, I'm looking for. Like well, if it was, it was hiding pretty good. He looked like <laughs> he had like almost like a V type shape. Yeah, Harden so. was a he was a stocky dude. I mean, he was strong. He's like grown man strong, but the, you know, that would be put on some LBs. If you if he get off the LBs, the post game would actually help. That would actually help the post game. It would. You could throw your weight around a little bit more. But he's uh, too much of a finesse player for that. Yeah, I doubt I'm he just, would do that. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just. But saying. but like that, Chris. You know, Chris Paul getting into the lane mid range automatic. <laughs> if he can get something like that, that'd be nice. Yeah. 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 No, it would be nice. And like, okay, even if like. I still think that the Sixers' best chance is at least during the regular season, so Harden can save himself for the playoffs. Is that Maxi needs to be the second leading scorer? Mm-hmm. Even if Harden's efficient again, I don't. I want Maxi taking more shots just to save Harden for the playoffs. Right. I can't. I can't disagree with that. I agree. All right, Uriah. It is twelve twenty-four. I don't know about you, but I'm for bed. Yeah, yeah. Everyone who's listening, thanks for tuning into the Sixer Sense podcast. If you have not done so, please subscribe. We're on Audible. We're on Spotify. We're on pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. Also, if you would be so kind as to leave a comment, let us know what you think about the podcast, whether you agree or disagree. It doesn't matter. So until next time, this is Uriah and Lucas. We'll catch you next time. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.